this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. And today I'm going to talk to someone who actually is trying her damnedest to save the world. Uh, She just went to Israel, very close to the Gaza Strip, to try and figure out firsthand what is going on in the country she loves so much. Uh, She's the host of Hoop Chat. You've seen her on Gutfeld. She is an influencer. She is Emily Austin. (laughs) Thank you for that warm welcome. Yes, of course. How are you doing since you've been back from Israel? Do you have a strong desire to go back because you were there in a Kevlar vest with IDF soldiers uh, being shown some very rough parts of the region? That was arguably the hardest trip I've ever done. And I only say hardest trip. I don't take a lot of depressing trips, but I visited Poland, of course. And a lot of people got mad at me for comparing the two. But how do you tell someone to feel when they're grieving in a way? So I judge them right back. But point being, visiting Israel right now felt to me like visiting the concentration camps because the entire country is in a state of grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, it hurt more because what I saw, it wasn't so raw when I saw it. And of course, I felt the raw emotions. But to meet survivors who were back from Gaza, to meet families whose houses are crumbled, who lost their entire family on October 7th, like, was devastating. And there's no one in Israel who doesn't know someone that was directly affected. It's wild to me how tiny of a country they are, yet mighty. So it's kind of, like, bittersweet. Like, I left there depressed and healed, if that makes any sense. So you're trying to make sense of where you're from and what's important to you and what we've all seen. Uh, But you're one of the people, you're such a magnet for attacks, on social yeah. media especially. So how do you deal with that? It's saddening because the attacks are so stupid. There's no there's no word for it. Now, you're from Israel, correct? You so were born there? I'm an Israeli citizen. Okay. My parents were both born in Israel. I was born in New York, but I've been visiting, I mean, way before this war. In fact, I was in another war in 2014, just innocently, like, chilling on the beach, and there's rockets overhead, and I didn't realize the shrapnel falls down, so I never actually went into a bomb shelter because mm-hmm. I thought, I was 14. I thought the Iron Dome swallowed the missile. And I'm like, yay, Israel's technology is insane. Um, I was wrong until a shrapnel fell right next to me in the water. But point being, like, the people who attack Israel and attack me for defending Israel are so uneducated, misinformed, or simply brainwashed. But less of them are brainwashed than you think. Most of them are, like, getting a lot of attention for standing with Palestine because it's, like, the sexy thing to do right now. And they get a lot of clout for it. But in reality, they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, this is the new defund the police movement. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Black Lives Matter was so corrupted by protests because Black Lives, in fact, matter. But so does every life. And they turned it into this corrupted organization that everyone donated to. And in fact, they did not help any black lives. All they did was destroy small businesses and riot and steal in the name of black lives, which is so disrespectful to black people, by the way. And this Palestinian movement is turning into the same thing where it's like rioters are on the street, blocking airport entrances, disrupting traffic for a country they know nothing about. Now, it's one thing if you tell me, you know, I'm from Gaza and, you know, the IDF beat me every day, which you can't really find people who can actually attest to that. But these protesters have no idea what they're talking about. So I don't take it personal when they attack me, especially when I see most of them are copy paste like a robot in a way yes. and some of them are real but most of them are no but they, they get these generated talking points yeah that they then disseminate and you know yeah. they, they use words like genocide apartheid apartheid and, and genocide yeah and yeah. you know it's like these are very serious charges 
Right, and they don't even understand it. Like on my debate on Pierce Morgan, I brought a chart of Palestine. The Palestinian population, it didn't outgrow Israel in terms of outpopulated them, but they populated more than Israelis have in the last 25 years or so. And if like, if that's a genocide, Israel is very bad at committing a genocide, in which we all know, not that they are trying to, but if they wanted to, they could. Listen, the Gaza Strip is a tiny part that Israel generously gave them in 2005. I think that was a mistake, which is a very unpopular opinion. But look what they've done with it. And then they dare ask for a two-state solution, which everybody wants ultimately. But when you see you give them a negotiation and you give them the finger and they take the hand and then they turn the hand into a terrorist group, how are you supposed to compromise with people whose goal is to wish you death? And again, this is part of what people don't know. They don't know they gave them the Gaza Strip in 2005. They don't know that the West Bank is a miniature version of Hamas. Like, they don't understand it. They think that Israel is trying, like, to commit, like, what is it, manifest destiny to take over the world? We're a tiny little schnitzel-looking country. Like, how, what are we doing? (laughs) I say we, like, on BB or something. Like, we. What do you say to um, people? Is there legitimate political pushback in Israel? Yes. So prior to October 7th, the country was so divided politically, which I think also was something that Hamas took advantage of. Israel was very vulnerable, very weak and very divided, which they still are. Nothing changed. We're just distracted now by a bigger problem. But politically, you know, they've had I don't even know how many elections in the last three, four, five years. But they're very honestly very much like America. You either love the president or you despise him. And there's Mm -hmm. kind of no gray area in between. And they're so busy protesting the president, not realizing the prime minister, excuse me, not realizing whether it's Bibi or Lapid or a name we've never heard of. Mm -hmm. The problem is still the main problem, which is Hamas. And the fact that all of your neighbors want you dead is going to be any prime minister's problem. By any means necessary. Yeah. Uh, When they say from the river to the sea, that's a call of genocide. But people deny that. When they say by any means necessary. Oh, no, they're they're saying globalize the Antifada. I don't know how much more transparent they could be with wishing Jewish people death. And it's not just in Israel. It's here in the United States. They're crossing the border every day. A gentleman, gentleman, that was a nice word, crossed the border like two weeks ago. I'm sure you saw the video. And someone said, what's your name? And he goes, oh, you'll find out very, very soon who I am. I promise you, with like a thick Middle Eastern accent. Oh, that's great. That's and I'm like, love threats on camera that we're doing absolutely nothing about. So when the presidents of MIT and UPenn and Harvard went before Congress, what did you want them to say? I'm talking about when Claudine Gay mm-hmm. um, and, and the other two presidents of the universities, um, when, when they testified before Congress, what did you want to hear from them? As someone who is following this and who is personally and emotionally invested in what's happening and the outcome, not only for our country, for our foreign policy, for global safety, but also for academia and higher education. In my mind, there was no other answer to do you condemn the call for genocide of Jewish people other than, of course I do. We want to make every student feel safe, whether it's Jews, blacks, Muslims, Christians or atheists. Everyone should feel safe on campus. And you could imagine my surprise when she goes, it requires further context. What more context? How much more specific could someone be than we want the death of Jews on campus? And in fact, they're not just saying it. They're like spitting on Jews on campus. I saw a student at Harvard fully surrounded by like a Palestinian protest mob. The guy didn't even identify with Israel. He wore a yarmulke. So now that's racist. And to overlook that by, by using context as an excuse to 
play stupid essentially you're the president of harvard if you're stupid you don't deserve that job so don't play stupid here and the fact that everyone was kind of on the same page Mm -hmm. was devastating because it's like how dare you pretend that jewish students don't have the right to feel safe as every other student absolutely like imagine it was against a group of black people they wouldn't this president would lose her job in a heartbeat yeah if it was against lgbtq community men's group Chanting rape all women. I I think, you know, there would be an issue for them. And I'm not talking about free speech. I'm talking about the code of conduct. Right. Which is what Elise Stefanik was trying to bring up when she was questioning these three presidents. So how much reputational damage did Harvard take Mm -hmm. during that? And what will it take for a university like that to recover? To recover, they should probably replace, I don't know what his title is, the uh, envoy to combat anti-Semitism, because he actually recently, I think as of yesterday, skipped a summit to address the anti-Semitic claims. If you have nothing to hide, go face it, unless you have something to hide, which is, hey, we don't care about Jewish students, in which, why are you the head of combating anti-Semitism? So first step is put someone at Harvard that can ensure that Jewish students feel safe. Secondly, come out and and take accountability for your actions because Bill Ackman alone (laughs) destroyed them, as he should. If there was nothing to use against them, he would have lost. But he's just pointing out on a bigger scale what they've done to themselves. And people are now, you know, turning away that blind eye that they've had for some reason the last few months or years. Or I'm hearing now that this has been going on for tens of years and people chose to ignore it. I wasn't alive for that long, but... I believe it. You know, something like this doesn't happen overnight. So it will it will take time to fix, but you need to start somewhere. And it seems like they don't want to. I mean, I hope they do. I have a college freshman. I hope it doesn't How scary is that? her university. But, you know, it's like you have to have conversations with your kids about people's agendas. Yeah. You know, otherwise, if you just trust the process, which yeah. I know it's a very popular hashtag. I don't trust the process. I don't trust anyone. I trust issues. I, I trust very few institutions, whether it's the government or the media or universities. I, I really don't trust any of them because, yeah. you know, they, they operate on propaganda, which is fear. And they, they prey on people's fears and insecurities. And they're they're doing that now in colleges to try and corral people into a way of thinking that is not only anti-freedom, it's right. very, very dangerous. What I always say- incredibly divisive. And it's so I didn't divisive. think we would get to this point. What, what scares me is like, I always say this, and again, it pisses people off, but hey, whatever. It starts with the Jews, but it could very well have been another group of students, if you just think about it. Ask Asian women in academia how, right. they're, how they're targeted and, and it, kept out of schools. It's like if they don't care about this group of kids, why would they care about that group of kids or that one? Like today it's the Jews, tomorrow it's the Muslims, yeah, what the if next day it's the Asians. What if on the list? They don't care unless yeah. it fits their agenda. So if you're LGBTQ right now, they will definitely take accountability because it's hot for them. For whatever reason, I really don't care, but I don't know why they're obsessed with it. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. How do you become an influencer, and is it something you can study? Study? According to UCLA, they have an influencer program. Woo! They have U- an influencer program. UCLA. <laughs> UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. Wee! I they're paying you for this endorsement. They should. They absolutely they should. should. I went to school for free, though. That's, hey, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, can you study it? I don't know. When did you wake up and go, I'm going to be an influencer? Like, I would wake up and go, I'm going to be an influencer. <laughs> and the universe would go, ha, 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 ha. Well, no. 
funnily enough, growing up, I was, I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a pediatric oncologist growing oh, up. Oddly God, specific. Heavy. It's heavy. I, I don't know why. I was, since I'm like 10. Wow. I'm like, what's a cancer doctor called? I want to be that one that works but with kids. For kids. Yeah. I want to torture myself oh. for the rest of my life. And I went to Hofstra for pre-med. Um, I got into a really good program. But during COVID, when everything was on a lockdown and I had time to think because at Hofstra being pre-med, I was up 7 a.m. and finished chem class by 10 p.m., chem lab, which was hell. Um, I had time to reevaluate my life choices. Mm -hmm. And one of them was, hey, do I want to be in school till I'm 30 and then start my residency and my fellowship? And then I was like, no, I'm not that person. I can't sit down for so long, even though then I was doing fine at it. Anyway, social media was so popular during COVID more than Arguably any time that we're going to see ever again. Because mm-hmm. when is the entire world home on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat you and had, Twitter? You have the kind of concentration that, right. you know, old media enjoyed for decades until the rise of cable and social media. And I was just having fun. I was making TikToks and I was going on Instagram Live talking about nothing to nobody. And I, just, I guess just because of the saturation, mm. eventually you know, going Instagram live and going on with other people, people would join and listen. Not because they cared about what I had to say, because you have nothing better to do. Mm. And what started as a hobby turned into like an interview series. And I got followers because when you go live, it's like every audience gets to join. And I see my followers kind of taking off. One day I go to sleep, I made a funny TikTok. The next morning I woke up to 500,000 followers. Holy crap! I'm like, am I famous now? And it kind of just happened. And I loved it. When do you start making money off of that? I made a lot of money on that, on TikTok. I made a couple hundred a week, which, I mean, what was I, 18? That was yeah, a lot I mean, for when me. you're in school. Yeah. Oh, my God. My ramen soup's like $16 every day at Hofstra. <laughs> um, I was making a couple hundred on TikTok, but where you make money is not from the apps because they're not distributing money to everyone who does well. They'll go broke or they'll start blacklisting you, but from the endorsements that you get from engagement. So what's funny is I actually got less views when I accepted money from TikTok, which Mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. So I turned it off and the views came back and then I got like deals from it. Um, The question is, do you want to be the girl who's like, look at my protein bar? I'm like, not me. Um, Good for you if you do that. And I loved it. And it it reminded me growing up, my favorite song was um, the Pussycat Dolls. When I grow up, I want to be famous. (laughs) So maybe I manifested it. But I think it's fun if you can do it the right way and like actually use your influence for something other than OnlyFans. Yes. Judge. Yes, I'm judging you. Um, and make a difference and, like, make money doing it. It's fun. It's, okay, so it's a blast. I want to ask you about that because people always joke, like, well, you know, if I want OnlyFans, I'd make a I'd million, million dollars, dollars a year. A week. Yeah. <laughs> um, a week, even do, better. What do you think the ramifications will be from people who are on OnlyFans now? Are they, like, is it the Wild West and they're the pioneers and, you know, they're the ones who discovered gold first and they're set for life. Or in 10 years, will this stuff come back to haunt people? I don't get how it doesn't haunt you in live time. In live t- if I had a nude picture of me out there, I wouldn't sleep at night thinking that the world will see that. And they're like, what do you, do you think? Maybe they think they're like getting ahead of it. I, I, I don't know how they're so comfortable with their bodies out there like that. Listen, I'm more conservative. I was raised that way. My parents were very, very strict with what I wore and who I dated and all that stuff. And, you know, the thought of my parents seeing a picture of me like that makes me nauseous. Ugh. Okay, so now let's say you don't have parents. What about yourself? What if one day you want to get married? This is like triggering people these days. But what if you want to get married and there are some parts of your body that only your boyfriend or your husband deserve to see? Why does everyone have to see that? You know, and it, it, it's like, I can't help but to think, I don't 
think someone can respect you knowing, okay, these same boobs and butt I see, the whole planet gets to see. What makes it special? What makes it unique? What makes it exciting? If like you're sharing it with millions of people online and they're paying you for it, it kind of feels like whoring yourself out. I know you're not actually doing something. I don't know what they really do. But what's what's the difference between that and prostitution? Like what is the difference between that and engaging in some forms? And even if it's not penetration, like some forms of sex, I don't know that there is a difference. But we don't have a lot of those conversations. Like does that harm your soul? On some level, should you shut off your feelings hmm. in, in order to make money? I know some, some people, people really can. don't care. I'm not one of those people who can. And I know the world is clamoring for a bunch of ass shots. And they're yeah. just going to have to wait High another demand. 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be great. We should start one. Everyone's like, you know those weirdos that are obsessed with like feet, feet. all the time? Yeah. Like when I go on Gutfeld, there's one account that always screenshots my heels and posts it. And someone's like, how much for feet pictures? And my brother and I were jokingly like... Thinking about $75,000. No, like only feet. It's only fans, <laughs> but it's only feet. And people could buy feet pictures. I will not partake in it that. It probably exists. But it'll do well. Yeah, I know Wiki does. Feet exists. And I know really? Kat, Kat Tim showed me that. She's like, no, no Wiki way. Feet, she's like, go see what your rating is. And what? So I wore no shoes one time on MTV. And it's when people had to write hard letters. And it was, I was like, never again. Oh, and I obsessed. wore like socks and hose but never like never toes barefoot never like one time toes never again while we're on the subject i remember being 18 and i went out in like sexy ysl heels they're so hot these heels and somebody i mean i I didn't realize like i didn't know what a foot fetish was Mm -hmm. but someone kept obsessively complimenting my feet and asking me what size i was and asking me what the the length of the heel was and i'm like this guy like must be gay or something he's just really obsessed with my heels maybe he wants them for himself and then getting older and wiser i realized some people just oh, yeah. love feet no. yeah no it's they love they love feet little emily didn't know that no it's it's weird what people are into and you know feet and legs i used to have one guy watching outnumbered and this is like seven years ago like you need to wear pantyhose someone gets mad at me pantyhose and it's like you are watching oh, the my news God. for the wrong reasons if if this is what you're hyper it's not their fault over, you're hot you're doing it wrong Someone always gets Spider-Man's mad. Spider-Mans are sexy. They are. To some. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure there is a subset actually out there. For sure. We joke now, but for I'm sure. sure there are dudes, like, cranking it to... Yeah, pitch it to Sports Illustrated. It'll take it. <laughs> Swimsuit Illustrated, my bad. Someone gets oh, very mad. is that what mad. it's called now? Uh, isn't it two different, like, sectors? It's Sports Illustrated is, like, yeah. the umbrella, I think. But Swim is its own. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Wow. Very woke. So you do... Hoop chat. Do you mm-hmm. love it? Yeah. Who's it's your fun. favorite NBA player to interview? Honestly, every interview I, I leave and I tell my intern that was my favorite, and he goes, "You say that about everyone." But, but that's a good sign. It means you're in the moment in every conversation. I love every conversation, and it's like it's hard to have a favorite because everyone thinks your favorite's the most famous one. Mm-hmm. But like, I've had an athlete that made me cry one time on the podcast, and I literally never uploaded it because he was so disgusting and horrible i remember first of all i didn't want him on his agent pitched him on um in exchange for like a bigger player (laughs) it was like a little mafia and i asked him something like how are you today and he totally was like oh and i'm like ew i don't want you here either like you're here just be here for five minutes and then leave and he was so gross then i have people that are like you know like jalen brunson he's a knicks player now but he was on the mavericks and he's like 
yeah, you know, growing up with my father as a coach, it was really hard on me. And like, I used to go to sleep crying for years. And I'm like, whoa, like to open up like that on my yeah. show means a lot. Like you trust me with that information and the people watching or like something as fun as like, I asked the player last week, who's your all-time starting five? And he's like, I'm too stupid for that. Don't quiz me. Like, to be honest <laughs> and vulnerable, like your fans want to see that. Yeah. I want to see it. I'm still a fan. I love the game. Um, Are you a Knicks fan? Yeah. And Long they're doing suffering. good. I know. No, they're, they're, doing, doing, they're doing, doing good. This doing season, well this season, we're doing well. Yeah. Um, it's been hard, rough years, but uh, I don't know. It's hard. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I am enjoying the moment. And I'm enjoying the winning streak, but I'm not getting used yeah, to it. That's how, how do you think the Buffalo Bills feel right now? Yeah. It's like every year. I only every hear about year. the NFL's Taylor, oh, which yeah. is so, by the way, like, uh, I have a conspiracy theory about it. Tell me everything. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it. I see it on Twitter. It's like, Taylor was time person of the year. Does yeah. she deserve it? I think so. I think so, too. She's and great. And I said that when she got the honor. I love her music. I think she's I beautiful. I think she's I classy. I, I, I like her. all that. But it's, it's, it's a lot. And yes. I'm starting to think... Her and Travis was a setup. She kind of came out of nowhere, hardcore endorsing Biden. Now, it's not a secret that Biden's suffering with the Gen Z voters, especially yeah. over the Middle Eastern conflict. Yes. So what do we do? Let's especially make Taylor. Gen Z voters in Michigan. Yeah. All over. Yeah. They're very mad at him about the Middle East. They're mad at him that he promised forgiving student loans and he didn't. Couldn't do it. He just underdelivered. And regardless of that. And he's old. Well, they don't mind that. He's feeble. He's, he's not Bernie Sanders old. Like Bernie Sanders... <laughs> Probably walks around with an erection. Like, that's how... Or he can't get like, one. Like, he's so <laughs> virile. They're like, yes, communism! Woo! <laughs> Show me your hammer and your sickle! By the way, ask college students what communism is. They don't know. Of course they don't know. They don't know. They don't know what the difference between communism is. They can't define any of it. But Bernie has, like, a virility to him. That is sexiness that they love. Joe Biden's like, and mumble mouth like, mm, where's the ice cream pudding? Mm, <laughs> we make beer and beer with your beer here. Excuse me, sir? It was funny. Yeah, so so they're having a hard time. So Taylor Swift comes out. She's kind of skyrocketed. And I get it, her music's great. That's not news. Her old music slaps. It's so good. But now the the relationship that the whole world's obsessed with, it feels mm -hmm. like a new Kim and Kanye, like mm -hmm. when the whole world knows they're together. Mm -hmm miraculously he's in the super bowl this yeah. year she's fly definitely gonna fly out there from japan yeah. i even think she'll do a little surprise performance maybe maybe not but the obsession with her and him he's he's a i don't remember which brand of the vaccine he's endorsing pfizer, pfizer. is that a coincidence you get biden's endorser and pfizer's endorser as a yeah. hot couple that the whole world's obsessed with that he's in the super bowl and she's time person of the year and it, it's just it's a lot no i wrote about and it i don't believe Daily in coincidences Mail, and in the article i say like if in fact the chiefs win and there's a marriage proposal this whole thing was orchestrated by roger goodell and las vegas will turn into a vomitorium because we will have had enough and i say this as a person who unashamedly loves her and her talent and her celebration of capitalism but if she were really going to endorse someone who you know thrusted her capitalistic system into greater greatness it would be a republican it wouldn't be a democrat it wouldn't be a socialist Democrat. You know, I would like she, to see Taylor. She's do an the beneficiary interview. of a meritocracy. Yeah. Imagine though she did a sit down. I mean, it would all be scripted. Like of it course. would make more sense if she's like, I like him and I endorse him for X Y Z. 
what would the XYZ possibly be from her point of view? What could it be? She's like, oh, he's working she on climate Trump. change. That's it. 2020. She, why? She attacked Ask her Trump. why. Yeah, because Ask she said he's a white supremacist and she why? believes he's an insurrectionist and all that, uh-huh. which is fine. Like, a lot of people don't like Trump. Right. Don't foist Joe Biden on us because you can. It is well, an it's clearly an exchange for miscarriage something. miscarriage of cultural justice. Clearly, she's reaping benefits from All right, that. well, we'll see what happens after By the, the way, Bowl. I disagree. I think if they get married and have kids, mm-hmm. I'll stand corrected. Yeah. But I, what if he's just like another breakup song in a few months? <gasps> and then it's be. like, well, what a great breakup song. Oh, my God. Karma is the guy on the Chiefs. Get <laughs> straight up to me. All right, Emily Austin, so good to talk to you. Me too. I'll see you all around Fox. Uh, you're amazing, and I appreciate the conversation. Me too. Thanks. We are now all influencers. Brought to you by <laughs> Nabisco. This has been Kennedy Saves the World, along with Emily Austin. I'm Kennedy. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.